You're listening to a sermon from the Langley Canadian Reformed Church. We hope you'll find it to be spiritually edifying. connection with the sermon this morning, I'd invite you to open your Bibles to Psalm 89. We'll read the verses 1 through 37. It's a psalm that praises the Lord, especially for his promises given to David. And that will be significant to our text as we look at Ruth 4 later. So to begin, we'll read the word of God from Psalm 89, beginning at verse 1. A maskeel of Ethan the Ezraite. I will sing of the Lord's great love forever. With my mouth, I will make your faithfulness known through all generations. I will declare that your love stands firm forever, that you established your faithfulness in heaven itself. You said, I've made a covenant with my chosen one. I've sworn to David, my servant. I will establish your line forever and make your throne firm through all generations. The heavens praise your wonders, O Lord, your faithfulness too in the assembly of the holy ones. For who in the skies above can compare with the Lord? Who is like the Lord among the heavenly beings? In the council of the holy ones, God is greatly feared. He's more awesome than all who surround him. O Lord God Almighty, who is like you? You are mighty, O Lord, and your faithfulness surrounds you. You rule over the surging sea when its waves mount up, you still them. You crushed Rahab like one of the slain. With your strong arm, you scattered your enemies. The heavens are yours and yours also the earth. You founded the world and all that is in it. You created the north and the south. Tabor and Hermon sing for joy at your name. Your arm is endued with power. Your right hand is strong. Your hand is strong. Your right hand exalted. Righteousness and justice are the foundation of your throne. Love and faithfulness go before you. Blessed are those who have learned to acclaim you, who walk in the light of your presence, O Lord. They rejoice in your name all day long. They exalt in your righteousness, for you are their glory and strength. And by your favor, you exalt our horn. Indeed, our shield belongs to the Lord, our King, to the Holy One of Israel. Once you spoke in a vision to your faithful people, you said, I have bestowed strength on a warrior. I have exalted a young man from among the people. I found David, my servant. With my sacred oil, I have anointed him. My hand will sustain him. Surely my arm will strengthen him. No enemy will subject him to tribute. No wicked man will oppress him. I will crush his foes before him and strike down his adversaries. My faithful love will be with him. And through my name, his horn will be exalted. I will set his hand over the sea, his right hand over the rivers. He will call out to me, you are my father. My God, the rock, my savior. I will also appoint him my firstborn, the most exalted of the kings of the earth. I will maintain my love to him forever and my covenant with him will never fail. I will establish his line forever, his throne, as long as the heavens endure. If his sons forsake my law and do not follow my statutes, if they violate my decrees and fail to keep my commands, I will punish their sin with the rod, their iniquity with flogging. But I will not take my love from him, nor will I ever betray my faithfulness. I will not violate my covenant or alter what my lips have uttered. Once for all, I've sworn by my holiness, and I will not lie to David, that his line will continue forever, and his throne endure before me like the sun. It will be established forever like the moon, the faithful witness in the sky. 
Our text this morning is Ruth chapter 4, the verses 13 through 22. So Boaz took Ruth, and she became his wife. Then he went to her, and the Lord enabled her to conceive, and she gave birth to a son. The woman said to Naomi, Praise be to the Lord, who this day has not left you without a kinsman redeemer. May he become famous throughout Israel. He will renew your life and sustain you in your old age. For your daughter-in-law, who loves you and who is better than you, better to you than seven sons, has given him birth. Then Naomi took the child, laid him on her lap, and cared for him. The woman living there said, Naomi has a son, and they named him Obed. He was the father of Jesse, the father of David. This, then, is the family line of Perez. Perez was the father of Hezron, Hezron the father of Ram, Ram the father of Aminadab, Aminadab the father of Nashon, Nashon the father of Salmon, Salmon the father of Boaz, Boaz the father of Obed, Obed the father of Jesse, and Jesse the father of David. Beloved congregation of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, it's a tradition, a custom, an annual event of many families around this time of the year to give gifts. And of course, it's not only families who are involved with this. You give gifts to to friends, to business acquaintances, to other people as well. A gift is a wonderful thing. A gift is an expression of, of love, of care. A gift is a way of, of lightening another's day, bringing joy to them as they, as they open the gift and as they receive whatever it is that, that they have received. And of course, you know as well, good things come in small packages. It doesn't have to be the biggest gift in the world. It has to be just the right gift. It's that right thing that says to someone who you love, I love you. The text that we have before us this morning is a gift. It is the revelation of Jesus Christ in the Old Testament, as we'll see. It is a gift that the Lord has given to us in his love for us. And through this text, he tells us that he loves us, his people. And what this text has that so many good gifts have as well is the element of surprise. As we go through this text, it's surprise after surprise after surprise. As the Lord delights in in surprising his people with this account of his love and kindness, of his ability to to take a situation that that seemed at one point hopeless and to just layer on the love, and to to lavish on the gifts and to show his great power and his love for his people. And so, we have our text this morning. If the book of Ruth ended at chapter 4, verse 12, we would sit back and say, wow, what an amazing account of God's love and kindness. But it doesn't end there. As it goes on, Ruth and Boaz have a son. 
And if the book ended there, we'd say, wow, isn't that amazing? But it doesn't end there. It goes on, and the son is attributed to Naomi. And we say, wow, Naomi has a son. We're satisfied now. But it doesn't end there. We learn that Naomi and Ruth, in fact, have another son. And that son is no less than King David himself. The wonders that the Lord has in store for this family. But you know, of course, that the love and kindness of God don't even end with the sending of the great King David to this household of Boaz and Ruth and Naomi. No, God sends his own son through this union into the world, the kinsman redeemer of the world. But you know, God's love doesn't even stop in the sending of his son into this world. He continues to show us his love and his kindness. And he shows us his love and kindness this morning in the revelation of himself in his word as we have it in Ruth chapter 4, the verses 13 through 22, where we see that the loving and kind God provides a son. He provides a son. He's a son for Naomi, we'll see, a son for Israel, and a son for the whole world. So the loving and kind God provides a son. God gives a gift to Naomi. Now, as our text begins in verse 13, it begins with what we knew really was a foregone conclusion. That's no surprise at all that Boaz and Ruth were going to get married. But, of course, the major question as they get married is, what's going to come from their union? If you go back in your minds to the very beginning of the book of Ruth, you'll remember that Ruth was married to Malon in Moab for 10 years. And they did not produce any offspring. It was a sad situation. They could not bear a child. And so the question is, what's going to happen with Ruth now? She has not borne a child after 10 years of waiting and expecting. Will Ruth bear a child? Well, God has a particular plan for Boaz and Ruth. God's plan does not include a a child for every hopeful couple. But for Boaz and Ruth, it does. A child is born in Bethlehem. And a family rejoices. And so the first prize is that surprise is that Ruth is able to have a child and she does. She bears a child, but the surprises continue to come as the child isn't attributed to Ruth in the first place, but it's attributed to Naomi. In verse 17, the woman say, Naomi has a son. How surprising is that? Remember at the beginning of the book again, Naomi had said to her daughters, I'm never going to have another son again. I'm far too old. No one's going to marry me. Even if I could get married, I wouldn't be able to produce a child. I'm never going to have a son. And here the woman say, Naomi has a son. Now, she hasn't given birth to this son herself, but this son of Ruth will be like her own son, as we'll see. So this is a surprise. But yet it's not really a surprise if we've learned anything about the love and kindness of God. 
Naomi had gone to Moab and had come back and she, she said, I, I went away full, but I've come back empty. And throughout the book, God has been filling Naomi. He's been filling her stomach with these large gifts of grain. But of course, food and, and livelihood wasn't the only thing that Naomi had lost in Moab. She had lost a son there. A large part of her emptiness was that she came back with no sons. But now God in his love and kindness has provided her with a son. Ruth will bear a son and he will be like Naomi's own. The love and kindness of God lands in Naomi's lap, lands in the lap of this once distraught grandmother in the form of a bouncing bundle of Bethlehemite joy. And now carrying along the crescent, the crescendo that is the end of this book, there's, there's all these, these praises and these blessings and these accolades that come that's already begun before our text. And it continues here in our text as well. There's a round of praise and blessings upon the birth of the child. And in yet another surprise, who does this praise come from? It comes from the woman of Bethlehem. These were the women, remember, who were shocked when Naomi came back from Moab. They, they weren't expecting her. They were, they were all abuzz and astir and perhaps even scandalized that she would dare show her face in Israel once again. But now they're here rejoicing in the blessedness of Naomi. And their words build on the high praises that the elders had already spoken to Boaz and Ruth. First of all, they say this son that has been born is a kinsman redeemer for Naomi. And that's true, isn't it? This was the son that's going to carry on the family line. This is the son that's going to inherit what belonged to Elimelech and Naomi. But the hope for this son in calling him a kinsman redeemer is not simply that he's going to carry on the family line. The blessing for Boaz in verse 11 was that he might be famous in Bethlehem, in the town where he came from. But the the blessing for this youngster is to be famous in all of Israel. But in his fame, in his greatness, he's not to forget his grandmother. See, he's going to be a special kind of kinsman redeemer. He's going to be a joy and a delight to his grandmother simply by being her grandson, by being a presence in her life, by being her son. The woman tell her, he will renew your life and sustain you in your old age. And then we see in verse 16 that Naomi took the child, laid him in her lap and cared for him. That's the way also that this son will be a kinsman redeemer for her. He will bring her much joy in her old age as she dotes on him and as she assists in raising him and as he is a loving grandson to her. And so grandsons and sons and granddaughters and daughters take note of this verse and take note of the expectations for this son of Naomi. In the New Testament, 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 4, the Apostle Paul teaches about the responsibility. Did you know this? That you have a responsibility as children and as grandchildren 
toward your parents and grandparents. He says, but if a widow has children or grandchildren, these should learn, first of all, to put their religion into practice by caring for their own family and so repaying their parents and grandparents. For this is pleasing to God. Since your grandmother has devoted so much love and kindness to your upbringing, Paul is saying, you then have the duty as well as the privilege of returning the favor to them. You have a calling as a grandson, as a granddaughter, to love your grandmother or your grandfather for that matter. This is what Obed will do for Naomi. He will carry on that family tradition which has become so embedded of showing love, of showing hesed, love and kindness to Naomi. Remember, Ruth had shown love and kindness to Naomi through her faithfulness to her, where she said, I'm not going to leave you. I'm going to stay with you. I'm going to help to provide for you for the rest of your days. And Boaz had showed love and kindness to Naomi by by providing for Ruth in the field and giving those gifts to Naomi to feed her. And then also, of course, in redeeming her. And so now this child is called to show love and kindness in the life of his grandmother, by being the kinsman redeemer, but simply also by being present in her life, by showing her love and kindness in the ways that grandsons and granddaughters do. Like his parents, Ruth and Boaz, before him, the son is going to be a conduit of God's love and grace to his grandmother. And that's going to have a lasting impact on Naomi. The love and kindness that he will show to her and through him, the love and kindness that God will continue to show her. This is a is a valuable and a special gift. Showing love and kindness is a valuable and a special gift. Consider the effect that love and kindness has already had on the life of Naomi. She has returned. She has been given food. She has gained a kinsman redeemer. She has been given a son. So special is this love, this, this hesed love, this love and kindness that the woman declare that the, that Ruth is like seven sons to Naomi. Your daughter Ruth, because she loves you, is better than seven sons. Now, let that sink in for a moment. Let that sink in in the context of this book that we've been going through for the last several weeks. If there was any one person who knew about the value of a son, it was Naomi. And if there was any culture that understood the significance of a son, it was the Israelite culture. And yet here these women are, and they are declaring that the love of Ruth is worth more than seven sons, the full number of sons for Naomi. Such is the power of love. That's the effect that love has saved Naomi's life. And the love these women declare will continue to bring you life and joy as God shows his love to you through this new baby that has been born. 
And so the grand theme of love and kindness comes close to the climax here as Ruth bears a son and she devotes him to Naomi. The love and kindness of God is realized in that child sitting on Naomi's lap. Her once empty cup now runs over. Surely love and kindness will follow her all the days of her life. Do you want to know a gift to give? That has its origin with God and has its destination in the very same place in praise to God and commit yourself to love grandsons love your grandmother granddaughters love your grandparents children love your parents husbands love your wives and wives love your husbands Love each other as brothers and sisters in the Lord Jesus Christ. Because if there is anything that is clear from this, the account of God's revelation in the book of Ruth, it's that when you love others, God is loving right through you. And you can change their life. Love is powerful. The love of God is powerful. And he calls us to show, to spread around, to lavish that love on the world around us. And so this boy was called to a life of love, a life of loving service. And that's why they named him Obed, which means servant. And his, his name then beautifully shows that, that reciprocal nature of divine love. Because we wonder, well, whose servant is Obed going to be? Is it going to be Naomi's servant? Or is he going to be God's servant in showing Naomi love? And the point is, there's no difference. It's one and the same. When you show love to others, true Christian love, then you are showing God's love to them. So God has given a wonderful gift to Naomi, one that will sustain her in her old age and renew her life. And as we said, if the, if the story ended at verse 17, we would be satisfied. Naomi has a son. It has come full circle. But the account doesn't end there. In a surprising and and completely unforeseen twist, we learn that Obed did become famous in Israel because he was the father of Jesse. And Jesse was the father, as we all know, of David, of King David himself. Wow, imagine that. Naomi didn't just have a son who would invigorate her in her old age. She has the future King David sitting there on her lap. The king who's going to renew the fortunes of the whole country. Here in this union between Ruth and Boaz, here in the son for Naomi, is David himself. Here, the restoration of this life of Naomi, the life of this unfaithful and grieved woman, is the restoration of an unfaithful and grieved nation. You see, this little plot twist at the end, when David's name is mentioned, it forces us to rethink the entire book. Now we have to go back and and read the whole thing in a different light. This is more than just a powerful demonstration of God's love and kindness to to one lady or to one family. No, this is a demonstration of God's love and kindness on a national level. 
If you were one of the original recipients reading this book, then that surprising inclusion of David's name would be hugely significant for you. All of a sudden, it would open up this book in a new way. You'd have to go back to the beginning and read it all over again. In the first place, this gives you the family line of Judah's great son, David. You realize about his line that his among his ancestors are foreigners and other questionable figures. And so you realize that David is a man. He's a humble man. He has humble beginnings, just like any other Israelite. In fact, perhaps more humble beginnings than many. At the same time, you realize that his ancestors are quality people. There's a certain character trait in this line of David. This is a household that has experienced the love and kindness of God to themselves. And this is a household that has learned to share the love and kindness of God with others. And isn't this exactly the lasting impact that King David will have? A king who himself experienced the love and kindness of God in the most difficult situations in his life. And a man also who loved to share the love and kindness of God with those around him in the psalms that he penned, in the worship that he restored, in the temple that he planned, in the nation that he ruled. But there's more to this being about David because you realize that the storyline of the ancestors of David becomes a metaphor for the history of Israel itself. Remember that the book began with the words, in the days when the judges ruled. Dark days, unfaithful days, difficult days. And that made us, made us ask the question at the very beginning, well, what happened to those days? Why did it say in the days when the judges ruled that those days must have ended? And they did. They ended with the coming of King David. Of course, they ended with the coming of Saul. His reign was a bust. But David came and he was a king like a king was supposed to be after God's own heart. And so his rule was a blessing for the people. They were brought out of those dark ages of the judges and into a a glorious time in their history. It was the golden age of Israel. During the reign of David, the nation was united and expanded David conquered their enemies. He made plans for the temple. He established the temple worship. He drew the people close to the love and the kindness of God. But looking looking back, of course, on that golden age of David's reign, we know that it too didn't last. In fact, it was only one generation later That David's son, that son that seemed to be the one that was spoken of, that might sit on the throne forever because he was such a wise and great king, King Solomon. But yet even Solomon turned to unfaithfulness. And he began a pattern of unfaithfulness among David's sons. They turned their backs on God. In their hearts, they picked up and left Israel and went to the other nations to serve the gods there the gods of Moab included. They entered a time of darkness and unfaithfulness after David. And so there will come a time when Israel 
led by the house of David, will be living out the unfaithfulness and the God rejection that was seen in the household of Elimelech. So what do you think the message is to those people then? The message is return. At one time, the people will need to remember the love and the kindness that God had once shown to the household of Elimelech. And they will need to call out for God to show them that same love and kindness. They will have to pick up and leave Moab or wherever their hearts are worshiping false gods and head back to the God of Israel. They would need to live in the hope that God would once again show his love and his kindness to them. And we know that God would show his love and kindness to them, wouldn't he? He would show it in a a most surprising way when the people once again were walking in darkness, when perhaps the situation was darker than ever. The love and kindness of God would once again show up in a child, a baby, to a young couple, It's time from Nazareth, but still this child would be born in Bethlehem, in a stable, in a manger, in the midst of foreign rule and national hypocrisy, where the night is the darkest, the light of God's love and kindness shines the brightest, and it has shone most brightly in the life of God's one and only Son, which He sent into this world to call this world back from its hypocrisy, back from its unfaithfulness, back from its darkness, and into God's wonderful light. When He sent Jesus Christ, the Savior of the world. And so now we consider God's gift to the world. It may be the most surprising thing about the birth of Naomi's son that both, it may have been the most surprising thing to the people of that day, but it shouldn't actually have been surprising to them at all that this son would be a blessing to the whole world. It seems to have been forgotten by the people of Israel at many times in their history, certainly at the time when the Lord Jesus Christ came. But the reality was that God had promised to bless the world through his people Israel. Already it is promised to Abraham. God had said that all the nations of the world would be blessed through Abraham and his descendants. The prophet Isaiah had put the challenge to the people and had reminded them that they were the light of the world. The call for God's people was, just like Ruth had done, just like Boaz had done, just like Obed was called to do, be the conduit of God's love and kindness, but not just among yourselves and your nations, but to the whole world. May the whole world be blessed through you as God showers his love and his kindness upon you. And this world-reaching hesed, this world-reaching love and kindness is prominent in this book. Consider that the major theme of this book is Moab and the Moabites who came from there. Consider the love that Boaz showed to this outsider in embracing her in his acts of kindness. Consider the line of the kins and redeemer that contains the foreigners Tamar and Rahab as well as Ruth. From beginning to end, this is a story of outsiders being brought into the love and the kindness of God. 
Well, as this boy sits on Naomi's lap and the genealogist records his children up until David, we know that the list extends beyond David. It goes up until the great son of David, Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ truly was the light of the world. He came first for the lost sheep of Israel. But then he commissioned his disciples to bring the good news throughout the world to all corners of the earth. Peter declared on Pentecost for the promises for you and for your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. The Lord calls every person in this world to repent, to turn away from Moab and to return to his love and kindness, to receive his love in the forgiveness of their sins and his kindness in the renewal of their lives. And in order to accomplish this, he arranged for the greatest surprise of all, the kinsman redeemer, not just any redeemer. No, he, God himself, the redeemer of Israel, would become the redeemer of the whole world. He, the eternal God, would become our kinsman. Talk about a surprise. He, God himself, would become our kin. He would become one of us. He would take upon our flesh. He would become the son of Naomi, the son of Ruth, the son of Israel, the son of David, the son of Mary. He'd be born into the flesh so that he could become our kinsman and he would give his life as a ransom so that he could become our redeemer. He would display the love and kindness of God upon this earth in such a way that man had never seen before. As he gave his life in love for us. He has come for the restoration of the world. And so where are your thoughts at this time of the year? Are you ready for the great surprise of God's love and kindness? Does that unfaithfulness that's characteristic of the household of Elimelech at the beginning of the book, does that resonate with you? Does that darkness in society so clear at the beginning of this book, does that resonate with you? Do you feel like you're living in it? Do you feel like you're living in its grief and its sorrow and its pain? Do you wonder where or how God could possibly work in a situation as broken as ours or as yours? Then look to Jesus Christ, the light of the world, the great kinsman redeemer. Be surprised by the love and the kindness that God has lavished upon you and has lavished upon his church and has lavished upon this whole world in the sending of his son into the flesh. See in Jesus Christ the kindness and love of God our Savior and rejoice in God's most precious gift. Amen. This has been a sermon from the Langley Canadian Reformed Church. For more information, please visit us on the web 
at www.langleycanrc.org.